Welcome to Leaders Lift Episode 5, Workforce Management Rebuild and Relationship Building Foundations. I'm your host, Greg Cunningham, and thank you for joining me for today's episode. This is the first of a series of episodes where I'll be talking about relationships and some team building and how we as leaders can get more meaning out of relationships in all aspects of our lives. If you listen to the first few episodes, you'll see that this is a good follow-up on the series about knowing yourself. If you have yet to listen to those episodes, you should go back and do that as doing so will help you understand some of the concepts I'll be covering today. As always, we're going to start off with story time, and today I'll share a professional experience I had that's all about relationships and understanding ourselves and others. For today's Little Lift recommendation, I'll share one of the core books I use with all of my teams, and then we'll dive into some foundational elements of relationship building. By the end of this episode, you should have a better idea of how to enhance those relationships most important to you, and a bit of insight into how to work on relationships that maybe aren't going quite the way you want them to. Just a quick note before we dive in, if you're interested in getting on our email list to be notified of future episodes and to receive other leadership-related information, go to www.mountaineagleconsulting.com email. I commit to not spanning your inbox, and generally it'll be about an email a month. It's free, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Anyone that signs up for the email list will get a PDF listing of my favorite books, professional and other. A few years into a management assignment in a fast-growing call center, I was tasked with helping turn the workforce management team around. Now, for those not familiar with the term, the workforce management team was responsible for all scheduling in the call center. So to the call center agents, this was the team that had control over their work life. If you needed a break, they made the decision. When you requested vacation, same thing. If you needed a schedule change, also fell on this team. In a lot of organizations, this team really struggles to build relationships with the agents as well as with the rest of the management team. And our organization was no exception. When I started to dive into the problems, I realized that there were two key issues. First, this team was not functioning as a team. And second, they did not have good relationships with the management team or anyone really for that matter. Amongst the team, and then also between the team and the rest of the org, there was too much tension and more of a rivalry instead of collaboration, and that had to change. So what did we do? I started by covering the concept in Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. There will be a link to that in the show notes. The way I covered the various topics allowed us to address some of the cooperation issues amongst the team, helped us get on the same page as to what we were really trying to accomplish, And then what were the guidelines we were going to follow to get there? Everyone agreed that we wanted to function better as a team and improve our relationship with the rest of the organization. We also wanted to find better, more efficient ways to help the center reach its operational objectives. It's amazing how much a two to three hour session with the team allowed us to get on the same page and start moving forward. That's probably the first lesson I would pass on here. If you start off on the right foot, you can immediately start making progress. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't have problems going forward, but we walked out of that meeting with a different attitude, and it was immediately obvious to the rest of the center. Lesson number two is that getting the team on the same page as far as goals and objectives was a key to allowing them to start building productive relationships amongst themselves. Using the five dysfunctions core elements allowed us to have common vocabulary, goals, and tools, and helped us to start collaborating with each other instead of just each person thinking they could take care of their own puzzle pieces and everything would be fine. 
Lesson three, before we went too far down the road, we got the rest of the management team on board with our goals and objectives. Again, this didn't take an act of Congress, but was simply a single meeting where the team took management through our goals and objectives and the high-level plan for how we were going to get there. And then lesson four, all of the progress we made was based on building trust, which will be the subject of my next episode, amongst ourselves and with others. We did that by defining what trust was, allowing everyone to have a voice, committing to our agreements, and then holding each other accountable. With the rest of the organization, we also encouraged them to hold us accountable when we weren't meeting our commitments or handling things the way we agreed to. It would be nice to say that everything was resolved immediately, but that just wasn't the case. I mean, this really set the foundation on which we could build. The rest of the progress was made as we worked together day by day to meet our goals. Over time, this entire center gained a better understanding of what the workforce management team did and how they contributed to the organization's success. There was a significant decrease in the fear that was initially present anytime you asked workforce management for something that might be considered out of the ordinary. Now, agents were still upset when they got declined for vacation. Managers were frustrated when team meetings were shifted or canceled at the last minute. But those types of things started happening much less frequently as the teams learned to work together to make things happen. So after the story above, I think I probably should recommend the book I referred to. That's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. I don't know how many times I've read or taught the principles in this book. If you counted the number of teams I've managed, it would be more than that. I use this for the foundation of any team that I can. I've even talked my family through most of it, if in a less formal way. On work teams, anytime a new team member joins, we go through this, except the team teaches it versus me doing that. Now, if you're on a team, professional or otherwise, and especially if you lead one, this is a must read. Today, I'll start off talking a little bit about why I believe relationship building is so important. I don't think there is anything more important in life than our relationships with ourselves and with others. Relationships are part of everything we do. Home, family, work, church, community, even the local grocery store can be about relationships. The better we get at building and managing our relationships, the more we can get out of our lives. Managing relationships could mean backing off of some relationships and enhancing others. From a professional standpoint, the number one reason individuals stay at or leave a job is their relationship with their manager. If I think about my personal life, I can 100% tell you that when my relationship with my wife is solid, everything else is much more manageable. When we're not on the same page, life is more difficult. As important as relationships are, it's been my experience that the majority of people are not deliberate about their relationships. In most cases, we are deliberate about choosing who we marry. That might be one of the biggest exceptions. But beyond that, just one example, if the money is right, people may overlook working for a manager they just can't connect with. When it comes to friends, how many of our friendships, quote unquote, just happen? Beyond choosing which relationships are part of our lives, how many people that you know put deliberate effort into their relationships? And I'm talking about more than just making sure my wife and I have a weekly date night where we can go out to dinner or temple or just spend time together. And more than just checking in with our friends on occasion to make sure they're doing well. Do we try to improve communication lines? Do we know what others need from our relationship? Do we know what we need from the relationship? Those are just a few of the questions we should be asking ourselves in regards to our key relationships. And it's unfortunate that our lives are so busy and full that we just submit to whatever may come 
rather than being much more deliberate in the one area that probably more than any other will determine how our lives turn out. Now, not all relationships are created equal, and I'm not saying that we need to work to build deep, meaningful relationships with the cashier at the grocery store. But in that example, something as simple as using their name and saying thank you will help build enough of a relationship that you can both have a positive experience. Think about those that you consider or would like to be your closest friends. How about your spouse or colleagues? Is it worth putting some deliberate, deliberate effort into those relationships? So over the past several months, I've found that my wife and I have spent more time just talking about the situations we're facing in our lives. In the past, I think we were both so busy that we just kind of tackled things as needed. We would talk, but it was different. It was more of, hey, this is what's going on with the kids and what we need to do, or I have this challenge at work and this is what I'm going to do about it. For the most part, it worked out well, but I do think there were times that if we had stopped and done a better job of communication, we might have done things differently. Now we actually spend a lot of time just talking about the situations we face and not jumping so quickly into immediate action. It's a different dynamic in our relationship and one that's taken effort and that I wish we had much, much earlier. Another thing I've tried to do to enhance the relationship with my wife is to be more present when we're out to dinner, for example. Just the other day, we were eating at a restaurant and I had two conversations going on my phone. I apologize for for the distraction, but I just wasn't as present as I could have been. It's one of the first times she has finished eating before me. And this is an example of what I mean by being deliberate. Even after years of practice and working on it, I still have to put deliberate effort in, or I end up right back into an old habit. And now think about the simple act of trying to be more present when talking to or engaging with key relationships and how that could positively impact those interactions. But again, it's something that you have to be deliberate with. So give this concept some thought. Think about the most important relationships in your life. Do you know why those relationships are most important? How solid do you feel the relationships are? How do you think the other parties feel about those relationships? And are both of your lives better or more challenging because of the relationship? And hopefully something in this episode will help you take the lead in enhancing at least one of those key relationships. If you're enjoying this episode, remember to subscribe, it's free, and share it with others in your circle. Reviews are also a great way to spread the word. And if you want more leadership and personal development resources, be sure to visit my website at www.mountainebelconsulting.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email list if you haven't already. Let's talk about how you as a leader can impact your relationships. Since this podcast is about leadership in all aspects of life, hopefully you're starting to think about how you as a leader can impact your relationships. In a professional environment, you would assume that someone with a leadership tile should be able to have significant influence over a relationship. Same thing with a parent or a spouse. And that is absolutely true. No matter what you do, and I'm talking to you as a leader because we all are, you are going to influence your relationships. The question is, will you impact them in the way you want or just let things happen? Think about this example. How much time do you spend preparing for a vacation? I have a good friend that likes to make lists of lists to prepare for a trip. When we used to travel for work, it used to make me chuckle when she told me how many lists she had gone through to get ready. And there are a lot of folks like that. What amazes me is that many of those same individuals, and I'm not talking about this friend of mine, they put in all that time to plan a trip, but they'll rarely think about or plan ways to improve the most significant relationships in their lives. So here are a few suggestions that you can apply to all of the relationships in your life. 
going to make the assumption that these relationships are already at least somewhat productive or life-enhancing and not life-draining. If you have relationships that are having that much of a negative impact on your life, it's a whole other ballgame. So first tip, you need to have a good understanding of who you are and at least a high-level understanding of who the other party in the relationship is. This is crucial for a successful relationship. And what do I mean by this? For you, I think it's absolutely critical to know what your goals and motivations are, to have a good understanding of your personality style and all of that entails. You can go back to those other episodes. Then you need to apply some of those same principles to better understanding others. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes on the what's, why's, and how's of knowing yourself better, it might be a good idea to go back and start there. Getting to know yourself better will impact how you view the key relationships in your life. You'll start to understand the ups and downs better than you have in the past. You might realize why certain interactions went well and others did not. You might get a better understanding of why you struggle to communicate with certain individuals and with others, it just seems natural. And those are just a couple of ideas. But let's talk about some examples here. Let's try a professional relationship type first, and that's working with someone that has authority over you. This could be a boss, manager, leader, etc. I'm going to make an assumption here that you're not working for the kind of manager that just wants you to do what they say, no questions asked. If you find yourself in that scenario, your first deliberate action should be to try and find another opportunity. But putting that aside, if you're working for a good manager or even a leader, here are a few things that you can do. After you have a good grasp on your own style, strengths, potential pitfalls, do your homework and get to understand this other party better. What is their personality style? You can at least make a guess based on what you know about yourself. Or if you have a good relationship, ask them what their style is or if they'd be willing to take an assessment. And there are a lot of free assessments out there they could take and just get the results without getting the big report that I've talked about in the past. Find out what motivates them. What are their goals and objectives? And on the goals and objectives, don't only focus on their professional objectives. You don't need to deep dive into their personal life, but you want to have an idea of how work affects their life outside of work. How does their work life impact their personal life? A lot of people might be hesitant to even try this with a manager. Now, if I was your manager, I would love to have this conversation with you. And here's how I would like to see the conversation go. First, start off by letting them know that you've been trying to better understand yourself and why you want to do that. You want to better focus on where you want to go in life, improve key relationships, etc. And as you're going through this process, you're identifying the key relationships that could have the biggest impact and want to leverage them to their fullest. That sets the stage and indicates to them that the relationship between the two of you can have a big impact. Once the stage has been set, you can start asking them some of the key questions I talked about above. Things like, I know I have a tendency to put a lot of detail into my emails. Is that useful for you? Is there a way that I could improve my written communication? Those are just a couple of good ways for you to show that you recognize that there are things you can do to improve the relationship. Another great topic is for you to restate what you believe their key objectives are and ask them to clarify or add to them. That leads right into you letting them know that you want to make sure you are doing your part to help with those objectives. These are just a few examples and each situation will be a little bit different. It won't be a one-time conversation, but once you've started down this path, I've found that most leaders will be open to, to continuing the conversation and evolving how you work together. 
This is just a, one good example of how you can be more deliberate in, in improving or enhancing a key professional relationship in your life. And if you're currently looking for a new opportunity or just started one, this kind of an approach can help you get off to a great start and build a strong foundation between you and your manager or leader. So how, how do we apply this to building relationships with our peers? Depending on the type of organization you work for, this could be almost as important or even more important than the relationship with your leader. The good news here is that you can use some of the same principles with your peers as you did with your manager. Learning what their goals and objectives are, what they might be struggling with, and how you can help them are all good things. The one additional thing you might consider is getting to know them a bit more on a personal level. How much is really up to you and should depend on the situation, but if you're working side by side, even virtually, with someone for 40 hours a week, it might be good to have at least something that you can talk about besides what you're working on. I shared in another episode how I couldn't really know all 100 plus call center agents that well, but knowing just a little bit helped me build some rapport with them. For your peers, it's also good for you to understand a little bit about their personality style. Not to keep hammering on introvert versus extrovert, but it's such a simple example. If everyone is having a stressful day and lunchtime comes around, an extrovert might think it's a great idea for everyone to go grab lunch together to unwind. But remember that a group lunch may just add additional stress to an introvert. Instead of insisting they go or excluding them, you could do something like, say something like, a bunch of us are going to go grab lunch. We just want to get out of here. I know the group lunches aren't always your thing, but we wanted to make sure you know you were welcome. And if you'd rather pass, could we bring you back something? An approach like this lets them know that they are welcome to join you, but also you recognize that they may have different needs from the rest of the team. The key here is that you're taking deliberate actions to meet the needs of others, and this is one of the best ways to enhance a relationship. Okay, let's try and tackle friendships. Relationships with friends are super interesting because for the most part, you can choose your friends, but these are one type of relationship where you be where you may be more hesitant to make significant changes. But let me suggest that this can also be one of the most impactful of all relationships, probably second only to the relationship with your spouse. I've seen this happen over and over again with teenagers and young adults. Settling in with a friend or group of friends can dramatically alter their path for better or for worse. So how do we ensure that our friend relationships enhance our lives? First, we should be deliberate about who we allow to have that much influence in our lives. You should definitely seek those that have similar values and worthy goals in life. Then you need to consider the impact these individuals have. You want to look for those that lift you up, are willing to allow you to be yourself, and who support what you want to get out of life. Allowing those that are constantly tearing us down, taking more than they give, or triggering stress and anxiety in our lives is just very risky. Assuming your friends are, or at least generally enhance your life, you can still use the principles we've been discussing to start building on or enhancing those important relationships. For example, if you know that you're an introvert that needs downtime to recharge, but your friends are the kind that want to get together and do something every night and plan big activities on the weekend, you might find it difficult to recharge batteries. As another example, if you have a strong desire to help lift others, you may also find that one of your potential pitfalls is that you could look to help others and neglect your own needs. And in that case, allowing yourself to be surrounded by friends that are constantly needing something from you is also a tough situation to be in. Now, you have a few choices in these situations. You could just keep dealing with it. 
you could push them clear away, or you can put some effort in to make things good for all involved by using some of what we've been talking about. One thing that is crucial here is to get good at communicating with others anytime you're going to make a change in your behavior. So for example, if you just all of a sudden stop going out with your friends, it's going to generate some questions and concern. You'd be better off letting everyone know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what the impact is going to be. You might work with your friend group and let them know that, hey, I'm only going to hang out once during the week and on Saturdays, but I really need Sundays and the other evenings to take care of some other things. Explain why you need the downtime to recharge your batteries. Good opportunity to talk about introverts versus extroverts. This could be a healthy approach for your needs as an introvert and their needs as an extrovert. It can help you find a better balance versus constantly finding yourself exhausted and resenting the demands placed on you. So let's transition off of some of these things that that we've just been talking about. And I want to talk about a few miscellaneous items that you can use to enhance relationships as well. So even when you have a solid relationship and you feel like you know each other pretty well, there are still going to be issues and conflict. It's just going to happen. When things don't go quite the way you expected or when you find yourself getting upset about something, that's when it's time to work on what I call giving benefit of the doubt or assuming positive intent. This particular item requires a foundation of trust. It's something I'm going to cover in the next episode, the whole concept of trust. So I won't dive into it here. But if you have a foundation of trust, then when someone upsets you, it becomes much easier to give them the benefit of the doubt. And to me, giving benefit of the doubt means that you can believe in the inherent goodness and potential of the other person. It's easier to ask yourself, why would a reasonable, rational human being, meaning the other party, do what they did, say what they said, etc.? This might be easier to see with a couple of examples. Let's say you and another member of your team are working on a key project task together. The deadline for them to complete their part comes, but they still haven't done it. Think about the two different extremes you could allow to go through your mind. If you struggle to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they've burned you before or just started working together. You might think they were lazy, unprofessional, didn't care, or maybe they were doing it deliberately just to get you in trouble. As far as giving the benefit of the doubt goes, you might think something was wrong or they were struggling or that maybe they needed your help. And if previously you had worked together and worked on building that trust, maybe it wouldn't have even gotten to this point. They might have been more comfortable asking you for help or you might have even taken the lead to reach out and see if they needed your help. So hopefully that helps you see both sides of this. Assuming negative intent versus assuming positive intent. How about a personal example? You and a friend are out for lunch and they say something that really upsets you. Two of the thoughts that could go through your head are that they are a complete jerk and said it just to make you mad. Or maybe you could pause and ask yourself what might have caused them to say that. If you allow the first thought, the negative one, you'll probably spend the rest of the lunch barely engaging and walk away feeling frustrated or resentful. If you give them the benefit of the doubt and have worked on the relationship, then you could actually pause the conversation and discuss what happened. Maybe you'd find out that they had a really rough day and didn't mean to take it out on you. Then instead of a tension-filled lunch, the two of you could figure out how to best support each other and you could even maybe turn their day around. So the question is, in your key relationships, are you able to assume positive intent? Do you believe your leaders and coworkers are working with you or against you? When something doesn't go well in a key personal relationship, can you assume there's a reasonable reason for what happened? Or does it just lead into a negative black hole? 
And that leads to another key point. Even our most important and solid relationships are not going to go well. That's part of working with other human beings. We all have faults and weaknesses, and no matter how much we know what not to do, it still happens. So you'll have to work at assuming positive intent. And you're going to get burned on occasion, but for the most valuable relationships in your life, you'll just need to keep at it because the payoff uh, will be well worth it in the end. Now, just to wrap up this section on giving the benefit of the doubt, and I've rewritten this multiple times, but I personally believe that giving the benefit of the doubt and assuming positive intent should be something we strive for. That being said, there are certain types of relationships that get to the point where benefit of the doubt or assuming positive intent are just not appropriate. Generally, this means that trust has been violated, probably repeatedly, to the extent that it may not be recoverable. Mostly this would apply to destructive or abusive relationships or any relationship that could put you or those around you in harm's way. So I just want to be clear that I'm not advocating continually giving benefit of the doubt in these types of situations. If you find yourself in that kind of a relationship, please get the help that you need. All right, let's move on to another topic here then. Since we all make mistakes and are going to do things that damage relationships, no matter how much we know or how hard we try it, it's going to happen. How do we restore trust and get back to mutual benefit of the doubt and assuming positive intent? Now, I have a belief that I've always tried to live, and that is that when it comes to leadership, there is no room for pride. Sometimes it's easier to live up to, and other times it can be extremely difficult. But essentially what this means is that when you do something to damage a relationship, take the lead, apologize, and work to make amends. It also means that when someone else damages a relationship, you may need to allow them to apologize and work to make amends, and sometimes that's even more difficult to do. Now again, there are some situations in both personal and professional relationships where something happens and you need to completely step away from that relationship. And that's up to each of us to decide when it's appropriate. But assuming that is not the case, don't let your pride get in the way of repairing those most important relationships in your life. Another thing that I believe is greatly absent in the world today is the ability to learn to agree to disagree and to work towards a mutually beneficial solution or compromise even. It seems the world is becoming more and more polarized. And the attitude that I'm right and if you don't agree with me, you're a horrible person seems to run rampant. Just turn on the news or scroll through any social media feed and see what you find. While I don't have a silver bullet for how to solve this on a macro scale, I think each of us can have a significant impact in our smaller circles. All of the things I've talked about in this episode can help us here. Knowing ourselves, building trust, assuming positive intent, Humility to repair relationships all come into play here. We also need to add to those skills things like learning to establish common ground. Don't start off with the differences. Start off where you agree. Trying to understand the other point of view and also looking for a win-win situation. When I say understand the other point of view, I'm not saying convert to the other point of view, but at least try to understand where the other party is coming from. And then for win-win situations, it isn't always possible, but if everyone just goes out to win for themselves, then there is always going to be someone that loses. Instead, if we work on the relationships, establish the common ground, understand each other's points of view, then we can work towards a solution that may not get either of us everything we thought we wanted or needed, but could at least find something positive to come out of the situation. And then the last piece I think I want to add in here is that when it comes to improving relationships, we have to take the lead. 
It has to be us. Those of us listening to, participating in this podcast, those of us that see ourselves as leaders, we all have to take the initiative. If you're listening to this, assume you're a leader and ask yourself, am I willing to take the initiative to lift those in my life so that we all make progress to where we want to be? Am I willing to put effort into those key relationships and help us both enhance what we get out of life because of it? The other option is to sit around and wait for somebody else to do it. How often does that really happen? So do you want to be deliberate or do you want to just let what happens happens? And that choice is completely up to you. Well, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. For the next few episodes, we'll continue to talk about building relationships in both our personal and professional lives. I'll be taking the lessons I've learned and sharing them with you. Next week, we'll do a deep dive into the importance of trust. I'm not necessarily talking about trusting that someone won't steal from you, even though that is kind of foundational. I'll be talking about the kind of trust that you develop in a relationship that allows you to do things like giving benefit of the doubt, assuming positive intent, and then also to be able to take constructive feedback as it's intended. In my opinion, there is nothing more important in any relationship that we care about than this type of trust. So that that has you intrigued, be sure to tune in next week. In the meantime, take a few minutes to inventory your key relationships and then decide which you want to work on for the next while. Ask yourself how the relationship can or does make your life better. Ask yourself what else you could put into the relationship to make it even better. And take a shot at identifying how the personality styles of all involved either enhance or potentially detract from that relationship. And then make a plan, be deliberate, and see what happens. And I'd love for you to come back and tell me how this makes a difference in your life. If you want to be notified of future episodes, hit the subscribe or follow button or follow Leaders Lift, LDRS, LFT on Instagram. You can also visit our website for more great content and resources to help you on your leadership journey. Check out the show notes for all of the relevant links and takeaways from this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Now go out there and keep lifting.